What's going on, my beautiful marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we have the founder of Caddy Allen, Noah Grodsky. This is a great conversation. He gets into really building a sustainable workplace. And what that means is with regards to work-life balance, work-life integration, how do we build a place where people's mental and physical health are valued and um, you know you can do your best to avoid burnout and then we get into you know how he validates ideas for his company and is going forward with growing caddy so I think you'll enjoy this one uh, particularly if you're in a leadership role or you know thinking about starting your own company this would be a good one to listen to to help lay some foundation but before we get into it as always uh, we put on this show here at cave we're an agency based out of LA that helps companies grow primarily through social media so if you need help with anything social head over to cave social.com hit that contact us we'd love to help you out all right let's get into this episode what's going on my marketing people welcome to another episode of the show today joining me is alan noah grotsky he is the founder and ceo of caddy alan how you doing good thanks for having me I'm excited, man. I'm excited to have you here and talk all things about building a company, you know, kind of that work-life integration, understanding how much we should be working, what we should be doing. But before we do that, I want to kind of pass the mic to you to one. I want to hear your story. What led you to sure. say, hey, it's time for me to start my own company. Walk me through your experience and uh, walk the listeners through kind of yeah, how you got to where you're at. Yeah. So my background in the last 10 years has been in product management. And as a lot of product managers, we have kind of a bit of a background that comes from all over the place. And I think for me, it starts back in high school. I remember being in a grade 11 math class, just kind of bored. Not that I was incredible at math, but I just found myself distracted. And uh, I thought I should just start a business. And I didn't really know what that business should be. But somehow an idea came to mind. At that time, I was converting VHS tapes to DVD. I think that still made sense at that time. And uh, I just put some flyers and went out in the neighborhood and did that for a little while, made a few dollars, not a lot. But that really got my kind of wheels turning into what eventually, I guess, got me to today. But I still thought I wanted to be in sciences for whatever reason. I stayed in and ended up uh, going to university to study biochemistry. And uh, halfway through, I was still running my little side businesses. I had a web development shop that I've been running throughout university because of the experience that I got. And someone said, hey, why don't you switch to business? And it's like it never really occurred to me that I didn't really want to be a biochemist or a doctor or anything like that. I just kind of enjoyed studying and ended up switching to business, specialized in marketing and yeah, out of school, ended up actually getting a couple of jobs at some software companies and, and did that for a little while. And throughout kind of my early stages of the career, had a, an idea for a startup, ended up going all in, raised a little bit of money, went well for a little bit, ended up crashing and burning like a lot of first go. But that really got me excited about not just doing marketing or building websites or the general stuff. I got excited about building product and, and working with developers. And so out of that, I said, I kind of discovered the role of a product manager. And I realized that's kind of a jack of all trades. You have to be a bit of a designer, a bit of a, uh, an engineer, a bit of a marketer. And so I, I kind of put all those together and got into product management. And so I worked as a product manager, building software for a few years later as a director of product and eventually as a VP of product. And in my last role, I ended up kind of combining my entire career. And I was at a company called Ninja Cat, which is marketing analytics. And I was a VP of product as well as VP of marketing. So I was put everything together. And it was one of those things where, you know, a lot of years had gone by since I had started a company. It had been nearly 10 years, but it was in my blood. I never really stopped thinking about it. 
I was always churning. I was always working on moonlighting on something, doing consulting or doing something. Yeah, through my my work at that company, I kind of stumbled on something. I was like, okay, this is the opportunity. And I remember asking to myself, I was like, this is about a horrible time to do it. I had just had my third kid. Basically, didn't, you know, it's not like I had accumulated tons of savings because obviously kids are expensive and lots of other things. But I thought today's a bad time. Five years ago was a bad time. Five years from now is probably going to be a bad time. So I was like, you know what? Now's as good a time as any. So I took the plunge and it's been nearly a year now since uh, building Caddy. I love it. Uh, the lights will never all be green. That's for sure. When it comes to, <laughs> yeah. Comes to doing yeah. anything major, right? And starting a company is major. So we talked a little bit off air, right, about the future of work and really looking at sustainable work, right? And building a place that, uh, now that it's your own company, you know, building a place where do the best to avoid burnout and put our team in good positions when it comes to their mental, physical well-being while still getting their work, you know, completed. And I, I think it's something that a lot of business leaders are battling with. Founders, uh, at least the ones I've met myself and people are just go, 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 million miles a minute, next problem, next problem, solve it, next problem, just, you know, doing that. So one, I'm interested on like how, what's your philosophy? How do you think about building a more sustainable workplace and yeah like where did that epiphany come from and then let's just kind of talk about i guess what that looks like right with still how do companies maintain productivity with while you know providing the right angles for making sure that it's uh positive on staff's mental health physical health etc yeah it's interesting because as an entrepreneur and whether you all have your own business or not if you've got the bug for wanting to be successful and wanting to do great things, whether it's great work or, or great products or great success, it's like you feel compelled to put a lot of hours to just do it and just power through and do more. And and I definitely feel like a lot of those people that I just want to do more. But I feel like when I was in a, one of my first jobs, I became good friends with this guy who was uh, actually a director of IT. And I remember there's somebody in his team that had quit and he was basically taking uh, support calls for this complex product. And he was taking support calls and emails and he was handling kind of like twice the amount of load that he should have been handling. And he just became really good friends and said hi every morning. And I noticed that he just became more and more tired. And I saw him just kind of like you could see the the demeanor just really changing because of how tired he was and kind of stressed that he felt. And I remember one time I asked him like why he was so tired. And he said, oh, because I'm staying up late answering to customers and I'm waking up in the middle of the night because we have customers in Europe, waking up in the middle of the night and answering their challenges. And I remember thinking like, you can't do that. Like this, the, you know, this is, this is really tough. Like you have obviously a lot of things to do, but let's figure out a way to do it more effectively. And it wasn't, I wasn't in that department. It wasn't really my role to like address it, but something, something happened that like really, I think became a pivotal point for me. And so one day, I don't know where we get a call and uh, he died of a heart attack playing uh, badminton. And this guy used to be a professional badminton player. He still played competitively on a weekly basis. And so he was fairly healthy. And, you know, I can't say that he died because he worked too much. I can't. I'm sure that it must have been a contributing factor. And, and maybe it wasn't. But to me, I remember not just going to the funeral and just seeing how the rest of the company reacted how the CEO of the company reacted to it, who was personally creating a lot of that pressure. And the most impactful thing that happened was the day after, which was like, who's going to pick up his work? And, and the reality is, is that his entire work was not picked up, only parts of it. And there were parts that no one did. And the company was perfectly fine after that. And it's like this thing of like this guy potentially gave his life to this job that like, who cares? 
And for what? The company was fine. Like this is this artificial pressure that we created. And it really kind of, I think, changed everything for me after that. And every time a manager said, hey, as a product manager, sometimes you, you got to meet deadlines. And so I would have a manager say, hey, once you get your team to stay late and we'll order pizza and everything, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, show me where it says this deadline is that critical that the company will collapse if we don't meet it. And there are certainly those that show up. That's real. But 99% of the time, that's not the case. And so I really have taken that that kind of situation and apply it to everything. It's like, is it really that important? Or, or do we just need to like take a step back and think about how do we do it sustainably? Because burnout, we talk about burnout as if it's just like, oh, we feel bad. But it's like, no, this is our real lives. Yeah. And there's consequence for it. Right. And, and this is one of those things that, you know, I've had to say to my team too, or like they start, something's going on. And I'm like, guys, everybody, we're just making social media content. Like this is like it's not that serious, you know. Like it's just I want everyone to breathe. Like it's I always joke. I'm like it's just Facebook ads. Like it's really not that crazy. And like if it comes a day late, it comes a day late. Like you're saying, a lot of these time, a lot of times, these deadlines and pressures. Although I believe having a deadline is good because if you don't have one, people will just work forever on things and over tinker. So I th- I do believe in having deadline, but I agree yeah. that oh, if it's gonna be missed by a day, it's okay. Go home, sleep. Don't stay here till three in the morning. Like that to me is so huge because when you take your mindset from we're on a marathon, not a sprint, then you can start to think like, okay, what's the best way to win a marathon? People on marathons are stopping, Mm. they're eating, they're stretching mid-marathon, they're doing things to make sure that they can continue to go forward. Where sprinters, it's all or nothing. That's it, right? They go for it. And I think taking that mindset a lot of times to work is, uh, is positive. So now how, now that you've taken that and you've said, okay, you know, the philosophy of this whole thing, I'm going to change kind Mm -hmm. of my philosophy. Maybe I'm going to, you know, not keep the team late. I'm going to do all these things. How do you kind of counterbalance that for the person who's listening and says, okay, that's all great. But like, if I have a fully Mm -hmm. remote team and just let them do full open schedule and take two weeks off for any time they want and whatever, (laughs) how do I also ensure that things do get done? Right. Especially if we're looking at startups that have raised money, have external pressure from VC, angel investor, yeah. et cetera, and have to hit deadline. How do you manage that? Are you all, do you think like OKRs or check-ins? What do you do? I'm interested. It keeps something in my desk. I'll show you. It's a golden sign that says focus. <laughs> that I think is my answer. It's like a lot of the time, why are we rushing is because we're not focused. If we if we really look at what we're doing and we list everything that we're trying to do and we ask ourselves, okay, we've got five, seven, 20 things, like what are the three that absolutely have to get done? Because I guarantee you whether you have a, a VC that's interested in something or a customer that's upset or an employee that needs something, there are one or two things that are really, really important. And then there's a bunch of things that we just, we're running so fast that we forget to ask the question of is that even that important? I think just like whether you think about, like I said, your internal team, what is your internal team lead? There's probably one or two things that if we just did that, they really wouldn't care about the others. And the other way, if we accomplished half of 10 things, but not accomplished the two things they really care about, does not matter how much you accomplish. At the end of the day, you still fail to them. So I really just try to think about it from that perspective of like, just take a step back and just focus. It's so true, man. The Pareto principle just rings true over and over again that, uh, you know, 20% usually of the tasks are responsible for 80% of the uh, the outcomes in business success. So I, I'm with you on that. It's taking that approach to say, okay, let's think about the big tasks that we can tackle and, and that they're getting done, right? The, the things that are fundamental yeah. to keeping the business moving. I think that's so important. Now, as you know, your company grows, you said you're just over a year, correct? Since it, yeah. 
made the leap. So the company's in a, a growth mode. How do you validate ideas when you can seemingly go all directions for growth when you first start, right? You don't have an established path. You can go any way, which way. I, I would love to hear how yeah. you kind of decipher the signals versus noise when it comes to, you know, pulling certain levers to grow the business. I think that's probably one of the toughest things, like whether you have a two-person startup or you work at Google, you will have the exact same problem. You will come into a position where you're building a product that you think may or may not be successful, and then you put it out to market, and sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And there are plenty of Google products that have failed, and there are plenty of two-person startup products that fail. And so the problem of like validating is, I think, one of the toughest problems because you could have infinite resources and still not figure it out. And I think a lot of times is we think about validating a product that's like, I'm going to build it, I'm going to show a bunch of people, and then if they like it, I'm going to go out and, and build more of it and keep building and keep trying to sell it. And I feel like the way I look at it is kind of upside down. What I preach is really <laughs> like what a lot of the new startup kind of mentality has been about. It's like this idea of like validate before you build anything. And sometimes that feels hard. It feels like, how could I possibly validate like, okay, I've read the book, I've read Lean Startup, and I know that I need to validate things. It's like, but the amount of effort it takes to validate, we sometimes think, oh, I talked to three people or I sketched this thing out and, and I'm done. And that's that's validation. And I think the validation journey is so much longer than we think. And if we just like stay focused on validating and getting deeper, then you start getting into minimizing your chance, your, your risk as much as possible. 100%. Yeah, it's interesting because I always think whenever I you know, see articles on that type of thing and I'm always like, okay, what's the time horizon, right? And what's the, and how do we set, a, mm -hmm. how do we set a time horizon for each thing? You know, we're an agency, our agency sales cycle, we're looking at like a nine month sales cycle. It's a little bit tough for me to be like this one action. If we try to validate it right away. Right. I also mm -hmm. have to say, do I have the funds to see this out over nine months to say, will it work? So then I got to make that judgment based on like, you know, just business fundamentals, I guess. But yeah, it's a challenge, man. It's a, a challenge to sit there and think like putting the time horizon on the validation, right? So starting a podcast, all the things I want to start, I want to grow a podcast. If you do three episodes, your podcast is going to be bad. It's not going to work, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm always intrigued on how much leeway do you give something, right? And it's, that to me is, uh, yeah, I mean, I throw it back to you there. Like if you've, have you all started something or a new product feature and then, okay, do you put a time horizon on that? Is it pretty, is it just airing on the side of speed? Like how do you validate? I think about it from the perspective of like, not what is the metric that I'm ultimately trying to achieve, but like you said, like what is the signal that might tell me that eventually you'll hit that metric because the ultimate metric that we're all looking to achieve is probably a lagging indicator. So if you know your goal is to to generate revenue out of this product, like that'll take you a while. But if your goal is to see, am I able to get one? You know, take a podcast for example. Am I able to get the listener to podcast one to listen to podcast two and three? That's a leading indicator that I created enough value that this person, regardless of their life and all the different factors in their life, they somehow decided to come back. And that could be a leading indicator that you're on the right on the right track. And I often think about it from a product perspective, at least, is to try to identify three independent signals that would all lead you to one metric and almost like as a proxy. It's like you can't prove indisputably that it is going to achieve the result that you want to achieve. But much like triangulating like cellular towers, like if you have three sig three kind of signals that are independent proxies, the chances that all of those three are positive, but the result is negative, it's fairly small. And so the idea is just like find three things that you could measure on day zero. 
maybe without even having the product built that you could measure. And then, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's your best shot. And at the end of the day, it's like, you just have to take a chance. Like, there's no substitute for taking a chance. Like, find the best signals and try to triangulate and take a chance. And we're going to fail a bunch. And that's that's just the nature of things. Well, it's like what you said at the start, right? Yesterday was a bad time. Today's a bad time. Five years from now is going to be a bad time. It's the same thing with like launching product sets, features, going a new marketing campaign, yeah. hiring a person, whatever. Like at a certain point, like you can data yourself to death sitting there going like, is it perfect this or that? And like, look, I don't bring an umbrella out with me when it's 5% chance of rain, right? So <laughs> like, <laughs> so that to yeah. me is at a certain point, we have to go, oh, it's 95% chance sun. All right, let's bet today on that, right? And obviously that's a reductionist point, but it still makes sense, I think. It's like, okay, eventually you got to just go for it. Alan, yeah. thank you so much today for coming on, man. For anyone who wants to learn more about Caddy, where should they go? And then two, if anyone wants to connect with you, where should they head? Yeah, love to chat. You can hit uh, salescaddy.ai. And if you want to reach out to me, I think the place where I hang out the most is really LinkedIn. So just uh, go for Alan Nogrotsky on LinkedIn and happy to connect. And my background is kind of all over the place. And I'm always looking to uh, help founders who've got product ideas or things and bring a uh, product management side, a design, marketing to it. So happy to help anybody out there. I love it. I'll put links to both those in the show notes page. Alan, thanks again for coming on today, man. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um.